My name is Christian Wagner, and I'm the Militant Thomist. So, I've recently been attacked on Twitter. The Muslims have found my Twitter, unfortunately. So, they have brought forth their greatest objections to the Trinity and the Incarnation. And I have not really looked over these objections. I want to give a first reaction and response to see whether they can debunk me in my Trinitarianism and in my Christology. So we will see. I'll be going over every single one of them. I will be uh, braving all of the powers of my intellect, both my philosophical, theological, and biblical knowledge. This would be very difficult um, to, to fight the Mohammedan horde. I, I don't know if I can do it, but uh, we, sh we shall see how I fare. This seems to be very difficult. So, before that, um, remember to, if you need to know Greek, because all of you need to know Greek, go to FluentGreekNT.com, use code MILITANT for 20% off. Also, if you're wondering what that music was in the beginning, you can look at the links below. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash militantomist. And also remember to subscribe and hit that bell notification. Because I know only 11% of you watchers, you viewers, actually are subscribed. So you can multiply my channel by tenfold if you just hit that subscribe button. You can uh, follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Also remember to join the Discord. The link is below. And then you can also, if you'd rather listen, you can listen on uh, on podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, anywhere you get your podcast, you can find Militant Thomist. And then if you really want to help me out, um, I have a list of books on my website, uh, christianbwagner.com slash shop, and all of the books I reprint, um, you can buy one of those. And then also Militant Thomist mug, but I do not have a Militant Thomist mug on my desk with me because I decided to grab a sparkling water rather than coffee. So I think that's all we have. So I am going to, what was the one website for Greek you just mentioned? Oh, that's fluentgreeknt.com. So it's in the, um, it's in the link below. So fluent Greek, it uses the natural method. Um, it, it puts before you a, a bunch of uh, sections from scripture in Greek. And it categorizes them by verb form. So the easiest verb forms are going to come first, and then it's going to get harder and harder. 
um, just do just so you start off uh, when you learn Greek by actually reading Greek and not by um, just learning a bunch of lame verb form. Sorry, my wife needed me to grab something for her. That was that was terrible on stream, on stream. So yeah, if you use a code militant, you can get twenty percent off. So you won't win this, my friend. I am, uh, I am not sure, but we will see. I'm gonna go to Twitter because this wasn't a Twitter post. I'm not sure if there's a longer article. But we will see. Okay, here we go. I will share my screen. What denomination do you adhere to? I do not um, adhere to any denomination. I'm a Catholic. So let me share my screen. Okay, so oh, Dowry of Mary. Hello, Christian. It's Calder. I just read your papal heresy document. It was wonderful. Looking forward to today's stream. Thank you. So, MK, Muslim B. Wagner, I'm trolled. So to refute my tweet that exposes his illogical creed. So, okay, I guess I'll, I'll get back to the, the first one. Um, MK said, don't tolerate nonsense from Christian. They believe that God created Mary, his daughter, then married her, becoming his wife. Then she begot him, becoming his mother. Then this immortal God died. You don't need to know their Bibles. You just need to know sincerity and logic. So uh, I pointed out... Um, the correct uh, glossing of each one of these because um, there's a certain uh, pithy statement that Mary is the immaculate daughter of the Father, the spouse of the Holy Ghost, and then the mother of God. So I pointed out that the creation of Mary is appropriated to the Father, yet it's the work of the one Godhead. So notice this is a mere appropriation to the Father because there is um, one undivided uh, will at intra, so um, interior will of the Godhead. So when it comes to the creation of Mary, it was the work of the whole Godhead. But this is specifically appropriated to the Father. And then the conception of our Lord in her womb is appropriated to the Spirit, yet is the work of the one Godhead. So we, uh, we confess that our Lord was conceived by the Holy Ghost in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary. So this is still the one work of the one Godhead, but it is appropriated um, to the Spirit. And then these two um, are appropriations. So we'd say it's the work of the one Godhead, but it's appropriated either to the Father or the Spirit. But this last one is actually proper. This is um, according to the subjectivity of the Son. So since she gave birth, she gave our Lord his body and soul. So he gave the second person of the Trinity um, his human nature. It is not appropriated, but proper to his subject. Therefore, properly and not by appropriation, she is called his mother. 
And then referring to God died. Yes, thanks be to God. God, the second person of the holy and ever blessed Trinity, taking upon a human nature, joining it to his hypostasis, so to his person, died according to that nature as self-same subject of that death, wherein we say that God died. So we say in glossing this phrase, God died. What we mean is that one subject of the second person of the Trinity died according to his humanity. We are not saying that the deity somehow perished in reference to the divine nature. We're speaking um, properly yet um, in accordance with uh, with a we, we have to be careful with our language because we're not saying that the deity died, which is what I think most are going to gloss us as saying. So let's get to his response because he gave me some resources. So to refute my tweet that exposes his illogical creed, and I, I have no problem with him saying that I have an illogical creed. I would say he has an illogical creed. So I, I, I mean, I'm not offended or anything is what I'm trying to say is, I mean, if you believe that, you, you, you believe that. He are, agrees that Mary have his God, gave his God his body and soul. And then he claims that his God, immortal God, died. Yes, the immortal God died. Immortal is in reference according to his divine nature, which is proper and eternal to him. And then dying is according not to that immortal nature um, of that one person, but according to his humanity. Then he says, by Allah, the God of Jesus, Jesus is free from them. Their historically developed unscriptural illogical creed and, quote, love. I don't know what love had to do with it, but let us see what these arguments are. Um, I tried to look to see if it was from a longer article, but I think it might just be from something personal that he had written. So I want to know if you guys, um, is the B, um, does the B in Christian B. Wagner stand for based? Uh, yes, it does. So I will, um, there you go. That's better. Okay. Jesus is not and cannot be God. Interesting. So first, we know God by his attributes, not by a mere claim. Whether announced or attributed, a claim is not enough slash valid proof. Okay. So when it comes to our knowledge of God, uh, that can happen in two modes. Now, according to St. Thomas, we know the existence of God from his created effects. And then when it comes to uh, properly speaking about God, it comes from the from revelation. So the mode of supernatural knowledge. So since that comes by revelation, um, we can know that through sacred scripture, which since it is revealed by God would not be a mere claim. But because of its own authority, um, it is enough proof in itself. So, but you can question the fact that sacred scripture itself is an authority, and then we can have that would change the locus of discussion. But yeah, if you, if I was merely claiming that um, this uh, apple mouse on my desk is God, then that would not be enough. Uh, but if I claim that it was revealed to me that it is God, I, um, that would be absurd. Um, obviously, then we'd be able to argue there because it's in it's not in continuity with natural revelation, which is a certain modality of revelation, which is revealed to us in nature. Um, but uh, that would be a, a, a claim, <laughs> but it wouldn't be a mere claim, I guess you could say. But we'd be able to dispute that claim.
but uh, getting that out of the way. These attributes can be derived from scripture and from deductive reasoning and reflection upon creation, which is correct. It can be agreed upon that only God, the one almighty creator, is all-knowing, omniscient, self-sufficient, um, that would be assay, and immortal. So yes, I would agree that only God, and God alone, is omniscient, self-sufficient, and immortal. Okay, I agree, I agree. Apply these attributes to any being slash object to identity, whether or not they're God. Identify. Okay, there, I misread it. Whether or not they're God. Let's test Jesus here. Okay? Okay, good, 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 good. All-knowing. Okay, that's our, that's our first one. Is Jesus all-knowing? Of course not. The Bible says that he grew in knowledge, which implies ignorance and incompleteness of knowledge. Moreover, when asked about the hour, he acknowledged his ignorance and stated that only he whom is referred to as the only true God knows. Furthermore, he didn't know if a blind man could see or was aware if there was a storm or even if a tree had fruit. Okay, was Jesus unknowing? Well, um, interestingly enough, this this question gets into uh, a few questions about uh, beatific and infused knowledge, uh, which St. Thomas talks about. But let's just um, assume um, a sort of what he means by this is um, the that Jesus um, had a certain knowledge which was less than the deity, which everybody, even if we, we are assuming uh, infused in beatific knowledge, we can assume. So yes, we can say that. But since Jesus had two minds, Jesus had a divine mind and a human mind, according insofar as he had two natures, a divine nature and a human nature, then we can say yes, that Jesus simultaneously was all-knowing according to the deity, because these attributes he's bringing forth, um, attributes, um, insofar in, in that it is an attribute, is an attribute of somebody's um, essence. Uh, attribute is proper to essence, and since he had two essences, then we would say that, yes, he was all-knowing in accordance to his divine mind. So when it comes to these questions of ignorance and completeness of knowledge, um, about the hour, um, about the blind man, fruit, trees, storms, and, and all of the like, we would reference that in accordance to his divine mind, but we would still say that that would be God's mind because the subject and the hypostasis in which that nature inheres is the hypostasis of the second person of the Trinity. So, um, yes. And self-sufficient? Of course not. The Bibles show the Bibles show how he depended on his mother to be breastfed, how he got hungry and went searching for food, how needed to sleep, etc. Always a dependent, subordinate, submissive man. Well, yes, he would be um, dependent in accordance to his humanity. So there seems to be a misunderstanding uh, when it comes to the doctrine of dual predication here. And um, yeah, immortal. Of course not. The core belief of Christianity is to believe that he is mortal. If he was immortal, then Christianity is false and purposeless. Okay, so is Jesus immortal? Yes, Jesus is immortal um, in accordance with his deity, with his divinity, with his divine nature. But he is mortal in accordance to his humanity. 
but we don't say that a, uh, that the man Jesus died. That would be Nestorianism. What we do say is that the one single person of the second person of the Trinity died in accordance with his humanity. Therefore, since the subject of action is always the hypostasis, subject of action is always the person, we would say that God died in accordance with his humanity. Okay, good. good. Okay, now let's get to point number five. I'm going to check on the... What non-hetero water is supporting the show today? Oh, gosh. This is um, Spindrift, sparkling water in real squeezed fruit, unsweetened lemonade, strawberry lemonade. So that is um, what I'm drinking. You know, it is a little bit um, non-hetero to drink sparkling water. You're right about that. But it's just it's just so good. I. Uh, it, it's just so delicious. Uh, Christ was only as regarding as human. Yes, Christ was all knowing, even as regards to him being human. To say otherwise, the heresy of the ignoate. Yes. So, in order, so we would distinguish here because when it comes to his infused uh, knowledge, which is uh, from the fact that he had the beatific vision, even from conception, he would have all knowledge that was possible in accordance uh, to his state. So as, uh, let's say, a um, as a newborn, he would have all knowledge that was possible for a newborn. As a 30-year-old, he would have all knowledge that was possible for a 30-year-old. That's what it means to talk about him growing in wisdom and in stature. Yes. So uh, e even then, uh, we would dispute some of the some of the exegesis of these passages when it comes to him not knowing the day and the hour. Uh, some would say that he does not know the day and the hour he's talking about um, in the person of uh, some in the person of his church. And then some would also say that he's talking um, insofar as he's not able to um, reveal it at that time or not. Um, he, he doesn't reveal it at that time and, and, and so on and so forth. But I think that would be uh, to get into the Agnoite, um discussion would be a little bit. Um, um, uh, it would be a little bit off topic, but, but yes, um, Jesus had all knowledge that he could have, um, according to a state in life. Okay. God bless you, brother. Enjoying the stream. Thank you. Thank you. We interpret the scriptures by the patristics. Yes. Okay. The will was of the Godhead alone, St. Athanasius contra Apollinarius. What do, what do you mean by that? The will was of the Godhead alone. I'm interested to see what you mean by that. Are you saying that there's one will? That's, that's big sus. Okay. So let's see. Number five. Actually, I think my face is covering this. Let me, oh wait, no, it isn't. So evidently, Jesus Christ does not have the attributes of God. No, um, that's just saying that he has the attributes of man. But one can have um, two sets of attributes. That is completely possible. Um, that would It would be analogous. And notice I used analogous. There's some negations because this isn't the exact same relation. So we would say that um, I would be one person with 
two um, substances. I would have a material substance and an immaterial substance. My material substance is my body. My immaterial substance is my soul. But I'm speaking in different respects. So if we speak of um, something being true and not true in the same respect, then that would be a contradiction. But if we speak of it in different respects, such as in our Lord, um, we would speak of him being Im immortal uh, in accordance with his deity and then mortal in accordance with his humanity, then we would not be making a, a contradiction, but just a distinction. So let's continue. Therefore, he is not and cannot be God. Rather, he was a man, messenger, and messiah who was sent by his God to preach Islam, the willing, sincere, and authentic submission to God to gain eternal life in paradise by his grace. Only God deserves worship, and he is to be singled out in it. No polytheism, strict monotheism. Again, we're not polytheists because we believe in one God. But uh, interesting that um, that Jesus was sent to preach Islam, considering the fact that none of his direct followers ever would uh, would agree with that. Very interesting. Many such cases. Very suspect. Okay. So, alleged deity, original sin, sinlessness, crucifixion. Okay, interesting. Oh, I guess we're we're getting um more, even more uh, stuff. Very interesting. Okay, sacrifice was decreed for unintentional sins only. It was not decreed to be made with animals and only permitted ones, not pigs. God doesn't change. The blasphemous idea that immortal God became a mortal man and a metaphorical animal to die is utterly utter stupidity and is against logic and scripture. And not one prophet of God taught that sin isn't even inherited. Ezekiel 18.20, God simply forgives sins. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack here. So sacrifice was decreed for unintentional sins only. Um, it was decreed to be made with animals. God doesn't change. Okay, there we go. God doesn't change the blasphemous idea that immortal God became a mortal man in a metaphorical animal that dies utter stupidity. Okay, so when it comes to uh, speaking about the, the changing, changelessness and changing of God. So we wouldn't say that... Um, Again, that God changed at all. Um, that that's that's not what we would say um, in accordance with His deity. But the fact that He had taken on a humanity, um, that His humanity was uh, was changeable and changed, but that His deity uh, did not change. So again, a simple understanding of dual predication of the one subject. It really is just uh, understanding how language works and then also how language works in regard to the incarnation that, that, that really deals with all of these. So um, going against original sin here, he says that sin isn't even inherited. So eight, Ezekiel 1820. So um, uh, again, uh, we have to deal with a lot of these objections from our Orthodox brethren. But uh, by uh, original sin, I don't think he really understands uh, what we mean by original sin. Let's actually go to Ezekiel 1820. I'll just go there real quick. 
and I'm going to be using the Dewey Reams because the Dewey Reams is based. Okay, there we go. So, 1820. The soul that sinneth, the same shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, and the father shall not bear the iniquity of the son. The justice of the just shall be upon him, the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. So when we speak of original sin, we're not talking about um, a certain judicial guilt which is passed down. For example, I would not be judicially guilty for the sin of Adam. Um, that That is not what original sin is teaching. Original sin is teaching some sort of um, of corruption, and, and that's the sense in which we talk about guilt being passed down. So there you go. So a certain privation of original justice is what we mean by original sin. So this is really simple stuff. I mean, all you have to do is really just read one of our catechisms. This is not uh, terribly... Oh, wait, I should... I should keep it up because he has another verse where he talks about God simply forgiving sins. Actually, I can just simply negate that. Without the remission of sins, without blood, there is no remission of sins. So uh, I'll just simply negate that, but let's see the actual verse he's quoting. So Isaiah... Forty-three twenty-five. I am, I am he that blot out thy iniquities for my own sake, and I will not remember thy sins. So again, this doesn't talk about at all the modality in which, um, or the foundation of his forgiveness of sins um, at all. It just says that he forgives sins. So... Yeah, this that that doesn't really uh, prove anything at all. Okay, so let's switch back. To I gotta talk to Hassan about this. I'm sure Hassan is much smarter than I am. The name of that water was a hole. Oh no. I have a monothelite on this stream. Oh that's a that's a whole nother stream. Oh no. I, I I'm sorry, Thomas. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna um cover that right now. Okay, okay, good. Um how would the church define person and the distinction between person and nature? So I actually have a whole article on this. Um I'm gonna how the church defines a person, but let me, person in Trinitarian theology, copy link address. Okay. So there is the link right there to how you define person. So really, um, person is it would be let's see how poll defines it sorry i'm looking at my own article it'd be an integral and individual substance whole in itself 
That's how it's going to define it. So, uh, so when we when we define person, we're talking about uh, concerning personality. And um, Lagrange is a good section on this in reality. If you look in a section on the hypostatic union, but uh, the person is really that um, principle of nature. Uh, if, if that's helpful, the principle of of nature. It's not any sort of self-consciousness or um, locus of intellection as uh, moderns think of the word person and personality, but it is really um, that individualizing principle of um, of the nature. But remember, when we think about intellection, when we think about volition, when we think about all of these things, those are properties of nature, not of not of will. I mean, uh, not of person. So, and then the uh, distinction between person and nature. What do you mean by um, how we would define the distinction between person and nature? I need some clarification on that question. Okay, so let's get back to this. So this is the same stuff we hear from everybody. Bible scholars... So back to my schoolers. So I honestly, um, to be to be perfectly frank, I couldn't possibly care less what Bible scholars say, what these apostate, um, and many of which, uh, like you, you'll you'll get like the in the height of of um, like German like nineteenth century biblical scholarship, which is a lot of the foundation for modern biblical scholarship. At least met methodologically, a lot of their conclusions were um, are, are now seen as really stupid. But uh, they they were just some of the most perverse people um, you'd ever you'd ever think of. So honestly, uh, not to say that uh, modern biblical scholars are perverse. Um, some of our, some of them are atheistic. Um, most of them aren't Catholic. So I couldn't really possibly care uh, less what Bible scholars say. But Bible scholars acknowledge many forgeries. Okay, yeah, then I definitely don't care what they say because they don't even have the virtue of faith. Of which the infamous verse of 1 John 5, 7, which was added to the Bible only five cent. What? Bro, 1 John 5, 7 was added to the Bible only five centuries ago? Big if true. <laughs> just trust, bro. Just trust. Bro, five centuries ago? Are you serious? It's in the Vulgate. The Vulgate, the one written by St. Jerome. It's like I've seen Tertullian quote it, who was a late second century, early third century father. Bro, big if true. First John 5 7 was added to the Bible five centuries ago. Dang, that's crazy. Five centuries ago. And both East and West just just like didn't care that it was just added to the Bible. They decided to just write it in. Wow, five centuries ago. That's crazy. Um, wow. Man, they must have added them to like all the manuscripts of every single one of those patristic works which use it, to like the manuscripts of the Vulgate, to all of the medieval works they use it. They must have, they, dang, church leaders must have been going off. I guess it was like the Pope or something who did it, right? So this is the only verse about the Trinity in the entire Bible. Um, you you can look at my article uh, when it comes to. So a lot of times the. There's no like when we think about the relationship between scripture and theology, there's no like um, like third Corinthians chapter five, which has like on the Trinity, 
uh, section, the Trinity and a lot of it, it, its fundamental propositions are there in Scripture. So the fact that the Father is God, the Son is God, the Spirit is God. Father is not the Son, Spirit is not the Son. Um, and then the the Son is not the Spirit. And the fact that there's only one God, that the, all those all those propositions are in sacred Scripture. The fact of the processions, um, all all of that is is in sacred Scripture. But when it comes to the systematic expression of it, um, there's there's no single single section in the Bible that really uh, covers it too much. But uh, even without First John five seven, I think First John five seven is legitimate, and I think it's um, original to uh, Saint John. But even if it wasn't, uh, that doesn't really um, kill me. So scholars and church leaders of Christian denominations, um, again, I, I don't think they're Christian denominations. Um, I, I think they're ecclesial communions, which have sacred scripture. But um, again, a lot of these people I would regard as heretics. So I don't really care what uh, my schoolers and uh, my church leaders uh, say about anything. Acknowledge that it's a forgery. Okay, cool. From this same forged book. Oh, gosh. From this same forged book, Christians erroneously premise their doctrine of a sinless savior. Oh, and there's the O-U-R, so uh, you're English, I'm assuming. On 1 John 3, 5, imagine. Anyway, even this claim of being sinless goes against the Bible, since the Bible showed that Jesus said, wait, 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 wait. Aren't you a Muslim? Don't you believe that Jesus was, don't you believe like all the prophets were sinless? What? Yeah, I'm, I am. I am abundantly confused right now. I thought. I thought Muslims believed all the prophets were sinless. Yes, exactly. St. Cyprian quotes the comma, and then Tertullian also quotes the comma, too. Okay, and then the distinction being, oh, okay, good, good. The distinction being, what does the person possess that nature doesn't? For example, God is three persons who share the same nature, yet God has one will and one mind according to his divine nature. Okay, okay, okay. What's, what's the... um. What's called the the, the formal um, distinction? Well, the 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 formal constituency of the distinction. If you want to, if you want to be really technical, okay, yeah, that's the fact that they're they have what's called mutual opposition. So the fact that the son um, is generated of the father. So the I I, tr I try to explain this really simply, but it always comes out super complicated. So the son is the terminus of the intellection of the father. And then the spirit is the terminus of the volition of the father and the son. So that is, that is that the, the distinction, which is found um, the distinction of what's called mutual opposition. So the father uh, possesses paternity. So the fact that the father begets the son, the son possesses um, sonship from the fact that he is begotten of the father and the spirit uh, possesses passive spiration. The fact that he is um, spirated from the father through the son. So that that's the, uh, the distinction that we would make that they, they don't possess, but these aren't, these aren't perfections. Although um, uh, uh, Suarez Vasquez 
Um, and SCOTUS, I believe, would say that they are uh, what's called relative perfections, but you don't need to worry about that. Um, the Thomas generally would say that they these aren't perfections. So it's not like the son is lacking on something that the father uh, doesn't have, but they're only um, relations that are present between them. So I hope that made like at least like 1% sense. Um, so I, that that's what I'm hoping. But if you want a really good book, that's going to give you a really concise uh, sort of definition of the Trinity. Let me see. Grab the link real quick. It's also on my website. Um, it's really good if you're really just a beginner. It sounds like from, from what you're describing that you're more of a beginner uh, when it comes to dogmatic theology. Um, so this book by Copens is really good. Um, it just condenses um, all of dogmatic theology to like 300 pages. It's great. Okay, so let's get back to this. So I'm going to share the Bible screen again because he puts up some Bible verses. Let's see. So his first one is he says that destroying that his sins. First, destroying private property and committing animal abuse. Let's see. Matthew 8, 28 through 34. So let's go to Matthew 8, 28 to 34. Let's see. So let's see, animal abuse and destroying private property. And when he had come on the other side of the water into the country of the garrisons, there met him two that were possessed with devils coming out of the sepulchres, exceeding fierce, so that none could pass that way. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? And there was not far from them an herd of many swine feeding. And the devils besought him, saying, If thou cast us out hence, send us into the herd of swine. And he said to them, Go. But they, going out, went into the swine. And behold, the whole herd ran violently down a steep plain place into the sea, and they perished in the waters. And they that kept them, kept them fled, and coming into the city told everything, and concerning them that had been possessed by the devils. And behold, the whole city went out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they besought him that he would depart from their coasts. This is interesting. Uh, just as a quick note, talking about um, abusing creatures and uh, destroying property that a Muslim is going to be critiquing a uh, Christian about that. Just, just I, th I thought that was a bit ironic. Um, but yeah, uh, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Um, they, they were really his swine to begin with. Um, he can do with them as he pleases. I mean, he, he required uh, literally the sacrifice of animals in the Old Testament. Um, I'm sure uh, letting a few swine die uh, aren't, a, aren't a huge issue. Um, he's, he's, he's God. He can, uh, he can require uh, people's property to be given or destroyed for him. So I, I, I don't get the, the, the formal issue with this, but uh, let, let's keep going. Two, publicly disrespecting his mother. Let's see. On two, one through five. And the third day, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And Jesus also was invited and his disciples to the marriage. 
And the wine failing, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus saith to her, Woman, what is that to me and to thee? My hour is not yet come. His mother saith to the waiters, Whatsoever he say to you, do ye. So I'm assuming he is, um, he has an issue, again, blah, is an issue with Jesus calling her woman. But again, uh, you're reading this through the eyes of a 21st century Westerner. If I called my my wife or my mother woman, that would be uh, regarded as being something which is disrespectful. But that was just the way they spoke in first century Judea. Um, so it wasn't disrespectful. So, yeah, that's that's about the the answer. Let's see if let's see if this gets better. So three committing petty theft. Man, I wonder what this one's about. I mean, I could guess the other ones. Uh but so Matthew, what did he say? 21, 1 through 7? 21, 1 through 7. I could guess what the other ones were, but this one is a little bit um difficult. And when they drew nigh to Jerusalem, oh my goodness. And we're come to Beth Page, unto Beth Page, unto Mount Olivet. Then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go ye into the village that is over against you, and immediately you shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if any man shall say unto you, Say ye that the Lord hath need of it, and forthwith he will let them go. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh to thee, meek and sitting upon an ass, and a colt, the foal of her that is used to the yoke. The disciples going did as Jesus commanded them, and they brought the ass and the colt and laid their garments upon them and made him sit thereon. Yeah, again, um, that was Jesus's uh, colt to begin with. So, if he wanted them, they're they're his. I mean, the Old Testament prophets have done weirder things. Uh, yeah, they're they're just his. I mean, I don't know what else to say. Petty theft is kind of kind of weird. Made false prophecies. Okay, okay, good, good, good. We're getting somewhere. We're getting somewhere. Matthew 24, 34. Okay, Matthew 24, 34. Let's see. Amen, I say to you that this generation shall not pass till all these things be done. So, um, again, the this is talking about the Olivet, what's called the Olivet Discourse. Um and actually, when it comes to my interpretation of of the Olivet Discourse, um, it's talking about the his second coming and judgment, which has to do with the destruction of Jerusalem. If you compare the language used in Matthew twenty four to that of the Old Testament, um, in the in the Old Testament, uh, oracles of judgment were spoken of in the same way, such as uh, the many destructions which happened before there of certain cities or judgments um, thereof was spoken of in the same language. So, yeah, I would um, I would say that exactly um, 40 years after he died, because I think he died in 30 AD, exactly 40 years after he died, um, which is the length of a generation, um, Jerusalem was destroyed. So, yeah, I don't think that's a false prophecy, but. Yes, Jesus did come. Destruction of the temple in 70 AD. Yes, exactly, Paul. I think, honestly, that was the coolest thing when I learned about that. It makes so much sense out of out of sacred scripture.
Muslim be like Jesus said, ask Christianity disproven. Yes, and Christ was referring to her as the new Eve when calling her woman. I'm a beginner indeed. Just started to learn how to not be a heretic. Okay, yeah. Then uh, definitely Copens would be the best choice. Uh, he's, he's really good with just condensing um, everything and uh, explaining stuff. Because that he wrote a dogmatic theology. Do you think Christ was 33 years old when he died? Uh, um, yes, I do. I do think he was 33 years old when he died. And I think he died in 30 AD. That is, that is my take. Your chat section wins most random takes award. Oh yeah, my my chat section is always is always based. We have we have based chat sections around here. Okay, now number six. Oh man, let's. It's starting to get good. Was racist to a woman's race. Okay, Matthew fifteen twenty five through twenty eight. Twenty-five through what was it? Twenty-five through twenty-eight, I think. Yes. Okay, he was racist to a woman's race. This one's interesting. But she came and adored him, saying, "Lord, help me." Who answering said, "It is not good to take the bread of the children and cast it to the dogs." But she said, "Yea, Lord, for the whelps also eat of the crumbs that fall from the table of their masters." And then Jesus answering said to her, "O woman, great is thy faith; be it done to thee as thou wilt." And her daughter was cured from that hour. Wow, Jesus! Can't believe you called you called her a dog. That's so terrible. What we have to realize about Jesus's mission is that, as he will say, he was sent to the house of Israel. So um, that that was Jesus's mission. And then when it comes to the apostles, you'll get the apostles who are really going out into the entire. You see this in the book of Acts, the apostles going out in the entirety of the of the world to spread the gospel. So um, this is by by children. He is talking about the children of Israel and by dogs. I mean, he's making some sort of. Um, by dogs, he's making some sort of um, a, he's making a mini parable, I guess you could say, some sort of analogy right here um, that the bread which he was given was at first meant for Israel and then the Gentiles, um, it was meant for later. So I don't think he was really being uh, racist uh, per se. It's just the way in which his mission worked. That'd be interesting to say that he was racist. Mark seven twenty eight to 30. Okay. Let's see if Mark 7, 28 to 30 makes it even worse. But she answered and said to him, Yea, Lord, for the whelps also eat under the table the crumbs of the children. And he said to her, For this saying, Go thy way, the devil has gone out of thy daughter. And when she was come to her house, she found the girl lying upon the bed, and that the devil is gone. Yeah, that doesn't really add to anything. I think it might be a... Okay, so he insulted his people. Okay, Matthew 12... 34 and 39. Matthew 12, 34 and 39. Yes, 34 and 39. Okay, let's see if it gets any worse. Matthew 12, 34. O generation of vipers, how can you speak good things, whereas you are evil? For out of the abhorrence of the heart, the mouth speaketh. 
have you not like read the old testament <laughs> this is this is pretty mild language generation of vipers there's nothing per se wrong with calling somebody a viper um it it again that's just a language that is allowed um they were acting like vipers there there's nothing wrong with insulting people that isn't per se sinful Who's speaking, uh, answering said to them, an evil and adulterous generation seeketh a sign, and a sign shall not be given, but the sign of Jonas the prophet. So I'm assuming he's talking about calling them an evil and adulterous generation. Again, uh, what's wrong with saying that somebody's evil and adulterous um, if they are being evil and adulterous? I feel like this is like kind of like the the mafils, mafils 21st century Westerner um <laughs> when it comes to what is sinful like oh that's mean you're not allowed to be mean to people jesus okay so um said those who get angry or call people fools will be judged so matthew 522 somehow these are getting worse but I say to you that whosoever is angry with his brother shall be in danger of the judgment. Whosoever say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. And whosoever sh shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Okay. We have the best community here. Everyone on chat is a literal giga chat based. Okay, racism is an evil confirmed. Well, so it's not it's not racist to say that certain peoples have certain dispositions. Like for example, um uh Saint Paul calls the Cretans lazy brutes. There's nothing wrong with that. That's just um it's just dumb to say that that would be uh, racist in an evil sense. So yeah, you can you can say that certain peoples have um certain cultural sins. And there's nothing wrong with saying that. And I'm tired of people saying that there's something wrong with saying that. I will not say, I will not say which, which culture, which, which cultures have cultural sins. I will not say that. Um, maybe ask me tonight on the discord in, in BC, but uh, yeah, there's, there's nothing, nothing wrong with saying that. Um, okay. So um, anger with his brother, danger of judgment, rock off fool. Okay, and then Matthew, okay, I'll just do one of them, John 2.15. And when he had made, as it were, a scourge of little cords, he drove them out of the temple, the sheep also, and oxen, the money, the changers, he poured out, and the tables he overthrew them. Okay, I think we can gloss in the previous verse that when he talks about angry, and anger, he's talking about unrighteous and sinful anger, because even in, in another place in sacred scripture, it says to be angry and sin not. So uh, there, there, there is that ability of having righteous anger, which is what Jesus had. So let us let us continue. We went over all of his uh, all of his proof, proofs. Stop sharing screen. Okay, why is a Muslim complaining about Christians offending people? Muhammad literally calls Christians the worst of creatures. I'm assuming a viper counts as a creature. 
LOL. Jesus also is obviously not basing off the. No, this was a this was a previous one, Bonaventure. This was uh, when he was talking about the Syro uh, Phoenician woman. Okay, so let's see. If Jesus took sins, then why is the pregnancy punishment of Genesis three sixteen still there? Okay, good question. Well, Catholics at least would distinguish between the eternal and then the temporal effects due to sin. So uh, you could think of it as the, uh, I guess you could say legal guilt and then um, uh, effects of sin, if, if you want to, if you want to put it in that way. So uh, when it comes to the, the legal guilt of sin, that's taken away. But when it comes to the temporal effects uh, due to certain corruption that remains um, from sinfulness, and those are still in play, um, including the pregnancy punishment. So John 13, 18 quotes Psalm 41, 9, where the speaker Jesus acknowledges to be a sinner. <laughs> yeah, that's not the way that Old Testament uh, citation works. So uh, this would, it, it would be typological citation. So you have what's called the res significans and the res significata. So that the, basically the sign that the thing signified. So in uh, Psalm 41, 9, In Psalm 41.9, in the daytime, the Lord hath commanded his mercy and a canticle to him in the night with me as prayer to the God of my life. Oh, no, no. He probably means 40 because this is Vulgate numbering. There's no Psalm for uh, maybe. Uh, no, no, no. It's the other way around. Psalm 49. Okay. They determined against me an unjust word. Shall he that sleepeth rise again no more? So, yeah, this is. Um, typological exegesis so you have the the certain sign which is found in the words of the old testament and then things signified so it's the the way in which the new testament uh quotes the old testament isn't the same in which we would think of in quoting a book because it's thinking in terms of types so moreover the unknown author of hebrews quotes psalm 40 claiming it was jesus the same speaker whom the author of hebrews sister was jesus says in verse 12 for innumerable evils have encompassed me, my transgression have taken hold of me, and I could not see. So Jesus admits that he had committed transgressions. Again, uh, the way in which the old the New Testament quotes the Old Testament is not the same way that we would think of quoting um, certain verses. For example, um, in the New Testament, it says, um, for out of Egypt, I've called my son. But clearly this is talking about Israel, but Israel is a type of Jesus. So that's what that verse is getting at. Um, not that everything in that particular a psalm would apply to our Lord. So also says that Jesus couldn't see. We know God by his attributes and not by a claim. He is one necessary, all-knowing, immortal, all-seeing, etc. Jesus didn't know that a blind man could see or if there was a storm. Okay, yeah, he's going over the same thing. Okay, Jesus also said that the Father is the only true God, who is my God and your God. Again, so with the with the first one, um, God is taken as a notional name, which is referenced as uh, the Father. So the way in which we speak of God, when we use the word God, we're thinking about the entirety of the deity. We're particularly thinking about um, the divine nature. That's what we think about when we say God. But in the New Testament, God is really used as a notional name for the Father. Um, and then Lord is used as that notional name of the Son. 
So in the same sense, we would say that the son is the only true Lord, but that doesn't mean that the father isn't also Lord. Um, and the, so, so yeah, it's, it's the, the new Testament uses slightly different language than the, um, in the later synthesis of Christian of Catholic theology ever used, but this doesn't um, mean that it's at odds. The sense is the same. And then uh, calling uh, the, the father, my God and your God, again, we would say that that would be in accordance with the, um, with the humanity. So Jesus is not and cannot be God. He's Allah's prophet. And then he goes against mere assertion in the other places, but then he has a, uh, a mere assertion here from the, the um, Quran. So I'm not even going to read that uh, blasphemous book. Okay, now here we have even more. Ahmad in the Bible, Jesus, peace be upon him, prophesied Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. Okay, um, I've never even heard this. this is a little bit schizo. So contemporary biblical scholars. So, okay. Yes. Contemporary biblical scholars. Now he's going to use them to his favor. I'm sure there's just so many contemporary biblical scholars out there that are uh, saying that Muhammad is spoken of in the new Testament. I'm sure you can find so many of them. So, so thank you for bringing them up. So, uh, sacred scripture. Um, so Jesus makes false prophecies, but he prophesies Muhammad apparently. And then also the New Testament is corrupt, but Jesus also prophesies Muhammad in the New Testament. Very interesting. I'm so glad you are very consistent in this. So contemporary biblical scholars hold that the traditional translation of parakletos, so uh, advocate, comforter, I just usually like to say paraclete, um, are out of step with the functions given to this figure to bring all truth to convict the world of the disbelief, bring light, etc. What? Interpreting the word parakletos as a name rather than a function is a solution to this dilemma. Well, okay, why would convicting the world of disbelief bring you like... So, okay, so what what you're saying is more contemporary biblical scholars and um, and more like don't, don't even know how to type out a word in Greek, level Greek that you have. Um, somehow knows uh, New Testament Greek better than the authors of the New Testament who, you know, spoke Greek. And uh, so so apparently they just had no idea that the functions that they were giving to the Parakletos, uh, to the Paraclete, just happened to be out of step with it. Um, yeah, very, very interesting. Very interesting. Interpreting the word Parakletos as a name rather than a function is a solution to this dilemma. And, and again, you're giving no evidence for this claim. You're just saying contemporary biblical scholars hold that. And again, one, I don't care about scholars. Two, they wouldn't even hold your view. And three, uh, you aren't even making the arguments they give. Interpreting the word parakletos as a name rather than a function is a solution to this dilemma. And again, the paraclete, uh, it, it's a name in, in the New Testament too. So I, the Quran says that Jesus, peace be upon him, prophesied a few. Oh, oh, really, really, peace be upon him. You, you just got done um, saying that Jesus was a, a sin, racist, a sexist uh, sinner who had anger issues and uh, was stupid. So, uh, re really, very cool, very cool. Uh, the Quran says that Jesus, peace be upon him, prophesied a future messenger named Ahmad, and mentioned when Jesus, the son of Mary, said, "Okay, yeah, Quran. I don't really care what." Uh, it says so. Ahmad means praised more than, in excess over, 
being modeled on the comparative afal form in Arabic. Perikletos can also be praised more than in excess over by breaking it down. Okay, yeah. And then this is an exegetical fallacy um, because that's not how language works. We determine it by use, not by etymology. In the same way that nice comes from nisus um, in Latin, which would mean fool, but by nice, we are not referencing a fool because um, we don't determine words based on etymology. So you would have to say that um, Perikletos was um, used in the sense of praised more than in excess over. Uh, but yeah, this, this just isn't how words work. By breaking it down into para more than in kletos, praised, um, yeah. Yes, evidently Jesus prophesied Prophet Muhammad. Evidently, it's just very evident. Okay, then what is a paraclete? Okay. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. So who is the paraclete? John 16 is a different source from John 14. See Bart Ehrman. Bro, see Bart Ehrman. Yes, yes. I respect very much the scholarly skills of Bart Ehrman. Bart Ehrman. Yes, I'm so glad, my, my biblical schoolers. I'm sure, let, let's see what Bart Ehrman would say about the Quran and its textual history. Let's, let's see. And is he going to take any of the interpretations you take? No, he's not. John 14, 29-31, I will no longer speak much of you. Let's leave. Let's leave? What in the world? Are you like reading the message or something? And then he keeps talking and doesn't leave until 18.1. John 16.5 contradicts John 13.33. Different sources. John 16.13 alludes to prophet like Moses who isn't Jesus. What in the world is going on here? Okay. Uh, let's look at this contradiction. John 16.5. I won't, I won't do any of this. It's a ranting. But uh, at least he provides some proof here. So John 16, 5, and I won't keep switching back and forth. So it says, but I told you not these things from the beginning because I was with you. And now I go to him that sent me, and none of you askest me whither thou goest. This is like some interesting schizo ranting. Um, 16, 5 contradicts 13, 36. I'm a Peter, saith the Lord, Lord, whither thou goest? Jesus answered, whither I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt go forth hereafter. They're saying there's a contradiction between him saying, um, none of you askest me whither thou goest. Uh, I'm assuming that Jesus is talking about um, either whither thou goest in specifically that sense, um, or he's talking about um, in a completely different occasion. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure that... The people, uh, in your view at least, that put together the New Testament wouldn't, wouldn't be put together the Gospel of John. Wouldn't be so stupid as to uh, make such a blatant um, contradiction. Um, um, again, I would exhort everybody, just um, if you're struggling with this absolute takedown of the Trinity and the Incarnation, that... Um, 
Oh, man. Oh, okay. So Muhammad in the Bible is a classical meme argument. So John 16, 13, he makes true prophecies. Um, the Holy Spirit clearly inspired false prophecies. Oh, gosh. Again, the 24, 34, we already covered. Um, 729, for what? False prophecies? First Corinthians. I'm honestly at this at this point, I'm just I'm just curious of, of what's going on here. 729 to 31. What false prophecy is the Holy Spirit inspiring here? This therefore I say, brethren, the time is short. It remaineth that they who have wives be as if they had none. Those who weep. Again, this is going to be um talking about the destruction of Jerusalem, which is a huge theme in the, the New Testament. Behold, he that comes with the clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also shall pierce him, and all the tribes of the earth shall bewail themselves because of him, even so, amen. And uh, yeah, these prophecies aren't aren't necessarily saying that all this stuff is happening like, oh, it's going to happen in like 86 AD. Don't worry, guys. Just trust. He brings the fiery light of truth on the world. What in the world? The old conceits and erroneous opinions. He exposed the world for unbelief in Jesus. He convicts them of Christ's righteousness. Oh, he vindicates Christ and establishes righteousness before the world. Oh, is this before or um, or after you said that Jesus sinned, right? Okay. He brings all truth that Jesus did not bring. Um, he declares the truth about Christ. The paraclete, John 6, can only come after Jesus' lead. Oh, man, this is, this is not, this is definitely not good. Okay, I'm just going to. Okay, uh, have I been debunked? I have not been debunked. Let's look through the chat to see how much cancer there is in the chat. Straw manning. Oh, classic. Classic. Absolutely classic. Gives a bad argument. Responds to bad, ar bad argument. M M straw man. Classic. They have to use the most convoluted nonsense developed by godless heathens because if they were being honest, the church fathers would laugh at this. What would Jesus do when he comes back? Would he kill those who reject him? Yes. That's exactly actually what he'll do. He'll judge the living and the dead. Oh, wait, there's a, there's a Muslim argument that Muhammad is in the Song of Solomon, bruh. Oh, don't do him like that. I better start kissing the black stone so when it grows eyes and a tongue, it will intercede for me. Bruh. What? <laughs> okay, I accidentally went all the way down to the back. Okay. 
you are just being petty now. He will come and fight. Interesting. It's basically not reading the text with any kind of intellectual charity or intellectual clarity. Um, either, either one. I've taken this copy paste from a Christian website. I wonder which Christian book, probably like some like liberal, like Bart Ehrman type. Trust the plan. Okay. Okay. Good, good, good. Maybe read revelation 2010. Okay. Let's okay. We, we got, we got another one. And the false prophet shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. What? I'm confused. Okay. I'm very confused. Okay, well, I think I might just cut this. <laughs> Thank you all for. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm. I'm not sure what's going on here, um, but I will. Uh, I have one last thing to to um, say to to his arguments. Impressive. Very nice. Okay, that's all. So thank you for stopping by. Remember to become a patron at patreon.com slash militantomist. And I will see you all of you later. And remember that it is Easter and God has died and has been raised from the dead. Alleluia. Alleluia.